Can you guys hear me? Oh, sorry, not Betty. Um, our sister, uh, Debbie. Sorry, Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, Betty's reading. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Debbie. <laughs> Same. I was like, I'm reading. <laughs> Technical difficulties here. <laughs> okay. Um, but Betty, if you want to read, feel free. If not, I can definitely read. <laughs> you can go ahead. Okay. Um, Luke 15, 11 to 32. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the shares of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy be to be called your son. Treat me, as one as, treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And bring a ring on his and put a ring on his hand and his shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of, his ser one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my, with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this, brother was fit for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The word of the Lord. All right, good morning, everyone. I pray that you can all hear me. All right. Sorry, Debbie and Betty for the, the mix up there. Um, as you can see, I'm trying to work two different devices right now. I have the phone so that you could see my face a lot more clearer and hopefully the audio is better as well. And I'll have my computer to the left of me uh, sort of as a monitor at this point. Um, but again, welcome to our morning service. And, and um, before we start, hopefully if you look on the screen on Zoom, you'll see your picture there and you'll see 
the names of at least three other people on that screen. I want you to look at those three names, just say them out loud. Like the three names I have are Betty, Eric, Chase, and Chris. So these four names I should say. And just remember that these brothers and sisters of, uh, that are on your screen are, are with you here today, this morning to worship you. And so do not only think about them, but pray for these people who are on your screen and may the Lord continue to knit us together as a family in Christ. Have you ever wondered what the dynamic of coming to Christ looks like for the church? Have you ever wondered what God's heart looks like when he decides to bring someone into the fold? Have you ever wondered what it should look like from the perspective of us as people in the church when someone comes to faith? This dynamic of individual salvation, of people coming to know the Lord, is something that's very, very important for the church to understand and to discern. If we don't understand how it is people come to know God and how it is the church should respond to knowing to someone coming to know God, and lastly, how it is that God chooses someone to know him. If we don't understand those dynamics, we can be led astray as a church of really thinking and believing that we are people who are serving the Lord rather than perhaps serving our own selves and serving our own man-made and human-made ideas of what a church looks like. This passage here is a culmination to, to teach the people who are in Jesus's presence. On the one hand, you had the tax collectors who had come to, to see Jesus and the sinners along with them. They have drawn near to Jesus. On the other hand, you had the Pharisees who had come as well to, to see who this Jesus was as well. So you have these two groups of people and Jesus is addressing them about what it means for the Father to love and what it means for us as God's people, those in the church, to respond to God's lavish love. If you remember last week, we saw, we looked at the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. These two parables were, were spoken to the Pharisees for them to understand and that God rejoices when he finds something that's lost. So what has been lost? A sheep has been lost. And, and the, the shepherd goes and finds it and throws a lavish party, over-the-top party, once he has retrieved that sheep. A woman has lost a coin and has sort of uh, flipped over her house. And once she finds that coin, again, another over-the-top celebration, rejoicing with her friends. And at this point, we, 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 we see that this is two parables that we can enjoy, that we understand. Something that's lost has been found. God is the one who searches for the lost, has found. God rejoices over you and over me. But when we, we come to the parable of the prodigal son, 
Jesus starts to elaborate on what it means to be lost. Jesus starts to elaborate on what it means to be that coin that no one has found or that sheep that has gone astray. For many of us, when we think of something that's lost, we think that that which is lost, the person that is lost, has sort of no culpability. When I think of someone that's lost, I I remember as a child going to the mall, with my parents and me and my sister somehow got separated from our parents. We were, we were in the Sears and we couldn't find our parents. So we went out to the mall. We, were, we, we wound up on the other side of the mall and we were, we were crying. And this police officer found us and sort of returned us back to our parents. And, you know, you don't look at me being lost or my sister being lost with a huge sense of judgment or culpability. We're children not knowing the way. God has a different definition of lost here. And we see this in the younger brother. You see, the younger brother goes to his father and asks his father, give me half of my inheritance now. Give me my cut of the pie and then let me leave. And what the son is basically saying to the father is, father, I basically wish you were dead. I basically wish that you were cut off from me so that I can gain the finances that are due to me and live the life I want to live. This wasn't, uh, this wasn't as simple as saying, you know, give me my inheritance now so that I can invest and, and live on it, Dad. I think this is a good way for us to, to grow our you know, family portfolio or whatever it may be. This isn't that type of conversation. This conversation is dad. No more relationship with you. Just give me my money, let me go. What does he do with that money? He spends it on wild living. He He feeds every impulse in his heart, in his stomach. And he does whatever he pleases. This definition of lost is very different from what we see in the sheep and the coin. And in a sense, Jesus is simply upping the stakes. He's getting the readers prepared to hear exactly what it means to be lost and how great God's love is to to pursue someone that is lost. You see, someone that is lost is actively pursuing enmity with God. Someone who is lost is saying to God, I don't want you. I don't need you. I just want the good things in your creation and use these good things in creation for my own benefit and my own pleasure. That's it. This isn't some lost child not knowing what he's doing. This isn't some dumb sheep just wandering about. Being lost is actively shaking your fist against God and sinning against him day after day after day after day. 
this picture of lostness is not the picture that the world wants us to see or that the world wants to see, I should say. The world wants to see humanity as innocent, as humanity, as someone, as, as people who are not culpable. But God says, all of you who are lost are culpable and enemies of God. This makes the picture of the shepherd who looks for the sheep or the woman who looks for the coin, or in this case, the father who looks for the younger son, all the more extravagant, all the more lavish. For God himself is saying, listen, I am looking for my son who has run away from me. My heart is still with my son, even though he has betrayed me. And a miracle happens. The son realizes that this lavish living has led him to being poor. That living in poverty, he works amongst the pigs. And he starts eating the same food as the pig. And then he realizes, I should just go home. Yes, my dad may not receive me as a son, but surely just as a servant to work. And the servants there eat better than what I'm eating right now. What we see here in, in, in the glimpse is someone who realizes that they have sinned against the Lord and someone who realizes that they need the Father's mercy. Whatever mercy the Father is willing to give, to go and receive. Now the expectations of this younger son is, is something that you and I would understand. Father, when I return, I expect a beating. Expect a cold shoulder. I expect you not to acknowledge me as son. But please, Father, just if you just give me food to eat, I'll live with the servants and I'll do your bidding. Show me that type of mercy. But the father is extravagant. When he sees his son coming from afar, he runs to him. And he hugs him. He gives him the ring. He gives him his robe. He asks the older son to kill the fattened calf, to, to have this party for his son was once dead, and now he's alive again. And this picture of extravagance is a picture that in the, in, in the, in the Middle East, in this culture, in this time, is, is something that is extraordinary. Just like we saw the, the, the shepherd and the lost sheep throw a party that just didn't make sense, or this woman who called her friends for the lost, finding the lost coin just doesn't make sense. Here, once again, we, we see the father shamelessly running to his son. In that culture back then, the father doesn't run to the son. Son, you come to me. I ain't going to you. You come to me. But the father runs. 
The father gives him the best of what he has. And the father throws an elaborate party for this younger son. This is the picture of salvation. This is the picture of what humanity has committed and the picture of God's pursuit of his sons and his daughters. You and I are this younger son. None of us are innocent, not one. None of us has ever seeked God, not one. That in Ephesians, when it says that you and I were dead in our trespasses, this death in our trespasses doesn't mean that we're unable to do anything. We are simply unable to follow God, but we are able and willing and co-conspirators of denying God his glory, of shaking down his kingdom for our own selfish desires. There are people who will come back to God, who will come to the church. And I know that you have friends like this and family members like this. All you need to do is have a real good conversation. Don't think that everyone knows that Jesus loves them by grace and grace alone. Don't think everyone knows that God's lavish love is for them. If they're human like you and I, most people will say, I I can't come to God. I've sinned too much. I can't come to God. I've, I've lived a life that's not pleasing to him. I can't come to God because I, I, I like to drink. I like to go party. I like to overindulge. I can't come to God because in my heart, I know I'm selfish. But for some reason, God is able to tug at their hearts and and they draw near, just as these tax collectors and sinners had drawn near to Jesus. They, They draw near to him. And God's eyes are open wide with delight to see these sinners and tax collectors humbly come before the Lord, just wanting a, a little piece of acceptance and love from God and to simply to be happy with that little peace. We need to show them that God's love for them is extravagant. To say, listen, come just as you are. It's okay. Jesus loves you with your sins. Jesus loves you as you were You're living the life that you live. Jesus loves you because right now he's tugging at your heart to bring you back to him. Just let him explain to you what it means that he loves you. 
You see, most of us live by what we call works righteousness. It's, it's a simple term. It means that we work for approval or righteousness from our Father in heaven. We tally our score up and say we did good things here, so God should love us. So we did bad things here, so God shouldn't love us. For most people, for many of us, the tally of bad outweighs the good. And we know it. And our friends know it, and our family members know it. Go out there, just like the Father does. And let the Father's love course through you to share that same love to those people. This is the gospel, that the Father himself will love these people. But this message is not only directed towards the tax collectors and sinners who were there, it was also directed against the Pharisees and the scribes who were grumbling. For they were the oldest, older son. And this part of chapter 15 is directed right at them. And, and some commentaries they would say that the, the purpose of 15 is not about the lost, but it's about the older son. And the older son, son complains and says, listen, I've always been with you, but you'd never throw me a party. Look at this young son. He's wished you dead, spent everything, and he's come back, and, and you love him like this? And the father says to him, son, you're always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You see, the older son had in his mind an understanding of what it means to be in the household of God. And his understanding was it was not fit for people who did not work for the righteousness that I worked for. I was the one who was with you, God. I was the one who took care of your household. I was the one who did X, Y, and Z. I earned my spot in your house. Everyone else needs to earn that spot too in this house. And this is a warning to the Pharisees and the scribes that they don't understand the gospel. They don't understand that the church is not a club. The church is not a place where we have sort of standards for people to come in. The church is not a place where we, we size people up and say, you are welcome into our fellowship, or you're not welcome into our fellowship. The church is a place where whoever God draws near, we welcome and we rejoice. Because we do not know who God will save. All that we know is that God draws all types of people to his household. And so when people come into our fellowship, when people come into your own presence as individuals, when you look at them, 
Yes, look at them as people who are sinning against the Lord. Yes, look at them as people who are lost. But also look at them as people who God could potentially lavish his grace upon. As someone who God can bring from the depths of darkness into the light. And dare to go near to them and share the good news of Jesus. And allow God's power to work in them. We, we are guilty of this sometimes. Of sizing people up. We hope that God saves only moral people, not immoral people. We want to draw closer to people who are morally upright. We want them to be saved. But those who are immoral, those who sin against me, no. But this is the heart that we have to repent of. For God's eyes doesn't see good moral things as something to be counted. God simply sees all people who are lost, who need to find the Savior. You and I were lost like the younger brother. And perhaps this is where you are right now. I can't come to know Jesus. It's too hard for me. I've done so many wrong things. God, the, the, right now the world is so hard and I'm just not trusting you and I know I should, but I, but I can't. I'm having a hard time. So how, how can I draw near to you? And God says to you, just come. Come and, and read my word. Come and pray for me. And maybe deep down in your heart, your only expectation is God saying, I don't, I'm not going to throw you out of my kingdom. But come to him, and I guarantee you, God will lavish you with his presence, his love, and his power. It's what he does. Or perhaps you're like the older son. Perhaps your heart has become hardened. I mean, we all go through this. And you look around our church, and you look around the world, and you go, all is lost. No one is as good as me. Why can't people do things as, as, at least as well as I do? Why can't people have the same point of view about righteousness and about what is right and wrong as, as I do? And your heart gets cold. And you start to critique and criticize everyone just to lift yourself up. If your heart has gotten hard and you, you've, you've just forgotten that you were the younger son, you're still the younger son. So repent before the Lord and let him draw you closer to him. For he has given you all things. Brothers and sisters, it is good to be in the household of God. To be called sons and daughters of the living God. May you embrace your calling. May you feel God's love flow through you. And may you have compassion on the immoral. Have compassion 
on the enemies of God. Have compassion on sinners like yourself, that they too may draw near to God. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We ask of you once again, Lord, to help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, we're all lost. We shake our hands, our fists at you in rage and in defiance. But you still pursue us and you love us. You don't count us as servants, but you count us as as your children. May the truth of that dig deep into our hearts that we may know that we are infinitely loved by you. And may that transform us, Lord, to love all others, Lord God. To love people who indeed are still your enemies. And to help those, Lord, especially who are drawing near to you, who we may see with our eyes and say, what are they doing here? Why are they here? But instead of those words, may we rejoice and say, may God do the same work in them as he did in me. And then may we all rejoice together, Lord, like that shepherd, like that woman, and like you, Father in heaven with the angels, that someone who was lost has now been found. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.